are you today? If you'd like to, let's stand together. Spend some time blessing the Lord together, worshiping Him and praising Him. Lord, we bless you in this place. Put our hands together. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Oh, He has done great things. Oh, Hero of Heaven, You conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain.
Praise the Lord. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? Amen. So good to see everybody with us today. I do want to get right into the Word. I have a lot of ground to cover and a little time to cover it. How many of you were here last week by chance? All right, there was a couple of you here. Good. We've got about 29 people out today that are going to Shabbat. 
all right? So be in prayer for them today as they travel back this afternoon. Um, Dylan and Hillary, and I know Janice Young went, and um, so we'll, we'll thank them later, probably next week, for um, all the trials and tribulations that they had to endure this past weekend, all right? But um, we're thankful for them taking our kids to Shabbat. They always enjoyed. It's a great time. And so, so we're excited about that. Last week, we started a series entitled, Don't You Understand Yet? Uh, last week, we dealt with the point, uh, beware of the leaven. What's the leaven of the Pharisees? Leaven of the Pharisees is that holier than thou, religiosity, I'm better than you. And then we had the leaven of Herod. We talked a little bit, well, really in length about the seeker-sensitive movement. And we talked about how the leaven of Herod is really worldliness is basically what it is the epitome of. But we're going to go on today and we're going to get into another sermon. And today we're going to talk about eyes that cannot see. I was going to bundle some of these, but as I began to study, I was like, man, this is it's going to get too long. So I'm just going to take one at a time. So today we're just going to deal with eyes that cannot see. Let's read our text again. I'll probably do this every week at the beginning. Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through 21. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of Jesus a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders, and this is what we talked about last week. Jesus is kind of uh, stewing on it when finally out of nowhere, he points at them and says, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this. Can I tell somebody that Jesus is aware of it? Can I let somebody know today that before you even say it, he already knows the intents of the heart. Aware of this, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basket full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? So we're going to go to verse 18 today and we're going to deal with one little sentence. You have eyes that cannot See, it is clear to us that Jesus in our text, I just read it to you, he is pointing out several things, several reasons as to why his disciples don't truly understand it yet. He is pointing out several reasons as to why they just don't get it. That's kind of the word I like using there. They just don't get it. And so there's several of those, but today we're, we're dealing with one simple point, and that is the eyes that cannot see. So today we will deal with spiritual blindness. The reason they cannot see it, the reason they don't get it, the reason they don't understand it yet is because of spiritual blindness that is not allowing them to see the greatness of the God that they serve. It just so happens that this past week, I had to go to my eye doctor. Do y'all like the eye doctors? They always want to dilate my eyes. And I tell them, I don't want my eyes dilated. I've got to read a computer later. 
I've got work to do. That's always my excuse. Sure, I could be flexible and take a couple hours off and let them go back to normal, but I ain't got time for that. So I'm like, you can't dilate. She said, well, sir, just as long as you let me note in here that your eyes have not been dilated in six years, I'll be okay with it. I said, put the notes. Don't dilate me. The point is, for you that don't wear contacts and glasses, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Today, you think I have good eyesight, but the only reason I have good eyesight is because there's a prescription over the top of my retina, over my eye, so that I can see. But a few years back, I went to the doctor, the eye doctor, and this is what I told my doctor this past week. I had what they call a minus 475. Anybody know what that is? Anybody a minus 4.75 in the house? I'm not going to tell you because as much as contacts cost, you may try to break in and steal them. But see, I went a couple years back and my eyesight actually got better. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, somebody. So I go and it's minus 4.50. I told my eye doctor if I continue this trend that, see the point is you want to get to zero. You don't want to go higher. You want to go lower. And so I told him if I keep up this trend, I'm going to have 20-20 vision in about 40 years from now. See, I am nearsighted like crazy. And what that means is that I cannot see far off. So today, if I did not want to see your faces, all I've got to do is simply pull, pop out these contacts and you're just going to be a bunch of little blurs to me. So anytime that the sermon gets tough and I feel like people are getting mad or angry and making faces, I'll just pop a contact out. There's only one problem is I won't be able to see the notes that I have today and I really need these notes. The point of the eye doctor is very simple. He is doing a checkup on your vision. Now we may joke at times and we're walking and somebody misses something and we look at our friend and say, man, you're as blind as a bat if you didn't see that. We, we may even use the terminology if, or the statement. If, 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 if that would have been a snake, that, that snake would have bit you because you didn't see it. But being able to see, even if it is only halfway decent sight, it is much better than being blind. Because blindness by definition is the inability to see something. Listen to me, I want you to understand something. God never intended for a child of his, a Christian, to walk in blindness. Now hear my sermon good today and don't miss it. Spiritual blindness is not intended for Christians. Spiritual blindness is intended for those that do not know Christ, that walk in darkness. Paul told us, I read it and I'll quote it to you. He said, in their case, speaking of the world, in their case, the God of this world or the God of this age has blinded the mind of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let me, let me quote a few more for you. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are even, even stumbling over. Another verse said God's light came into the world That's Jesus Christ But people love the darkness rather than the light For their actions were evil and not good Another verse said so ignore them They are blind guides that are leading the blind 
And if one blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into the ditch. Another verse said, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. But understand with me today, we aren't unbelievers. We have a higher calling than that on our life, than to just wander through a world aimlessly wondering why God put us here. What is our purpose? See, let me quote a scripture that the apostle Peter said. He said, but you are not like that. You're not like those people that are walking in darkness. He said, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of the darkness. I love this. Into his marvelous or his wonderful light. We are supposed to be able to see because we're in the light of Jesus Christ. Everybody's still with me. So let's, let's face the facts for a moment. If we are in Christ, if we are saved by this precious blood of the Lamb, we are not spiritually blind in the sense that we cannot see Him. We are not blind in the sense that we do not know Him. We agree that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. We believe He lived a sinless life. We're not blind to that. We know that He lived perfect and that one day He died on Calvary, Golgotha's Hill for our sins. We're aware of the fact that He rose on the third day with power and the keys of death, hell, and the grave belong to Him. We also believe if we're believers, we, we're not blind to the fact that this world is not our home, but that this same Jesus that was resurrected from the dead and went back to the Father one day, he's going to quicken our mortal bodies. Oh, I wish somebody would help me today. And he's coming back for his church. We are not blind to these facts. The sinner may be. That's why they continue in their sins. The world may be blind to that. Those who walk in darkness may be blind to that. But we are supposed to be looking and waiting for the return of our Lord. But Satan isn't as stupid. That's right, I use the stupid word. Is there any kids, couple maybe? All right. He's not as dumb. What's another word we can use here? He's not as ignorant as we give him credit for. We say that old dumb devil. I'm tired of that dumb devil. The devil's far from dumb. A matter of fact, let, let me show you this really, really quickly. Paul even tried. We've been studying on Wednesday nights. We just got through with the Corinthian church. And this is what he said. He said, don't allow Satan to outsmart you. For we are not ignorant of the plans or the schemes of the devil. So in other words, what he's trying to tell the church is that even if you're a born-again believer and even if you trust in Jesus and, and He is your Lord, it is possible that He can still deceive you to see things that you ought not be focusing on. Are you ready for this? It is the job of Satan to deceive believers. You just ask Adam and Eve. Literally in a perfect world... 
They were deceived by the devil in a perfect, sinless world. Process that. Are you in a sinless world? Are you in a perfect world? If Satan can deceive the first man and woman in a perfect garden with everything that they need, don't you think in a world full of temptation, he can deceive you too? Oh, Jesus, help me. Satan's job is to deceive. In other words, the devil will blind you to some things. Yes, even believers, he will blind us. You can just look at our disciples in the text. Jesus is telling them, you just saw all these miracles, yet you have eyes that cannot see. In other words, you are worried about bread. And the bread of life is literally standing right in front of you. Why would you be concerned over a loaf of bread when the bread of life is right here in humanity with you? You just don't get it, do you? What had happened? Well, somehow, some way, Satan had gotten into the mix of things and had blinded the eyes of the disciples. Sin is deceptive. The devil is deceptive. The devil is slick. Who does he deceive first? Can I be real with you for a minute? I have absolutely no problem, no difficulty whatsoever recognizing your sins. I can tell you how much you need to pray more. I can tell you how you look like you've got a rotten attitude every Sunday when you come to church. But it's a different story when you point out my shortcomings and my sins. Who is Satan really deceiving here? Spiritual blindness is not like physical blindness. When you're physically blind, you know you are blind. You literally walk every day of your life in complete darkness. There is no doubt that you are blind. You can't see. But spiritual blind people are not only blind, but they are also blind to their own blindness. In other words, they think they see well. I mean, it's like me going to the eye doctor last week and saying, hey, buddy, they're like, your prescription needs change. To which I say, doc, I can see just fine. Everything's great. To which he replies, then read the bottom line, for goodness sakes. And when you can read it, I won't change your prescription. You're blind as a bat. Face it. Wear a pair of glasses. Get correct division. This is why Jesus is a bit frustrated when he says to them, do you have eyes and not see? You still don't get it. The Pharisees in the text that I've read to you, and we're going to deal with them because they're, they're literally woven into all that I've read to you in the basis of my entitled series. But the Pharisees in the text are the same ones that Jesus looked at them a few days later or before and said, you can see the speck of dust in your brother's eye. But you don't even recognize there's a log in yours. 
What he is saying to them, you think you see good, but really you're blind. Sometimes we just see what we want to see, right? A couple of verses before, Jesus is saying, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now he looks at his disciples and he says, Don't you dare get so religious on me that you start acting like those Pharisees. You hear me? I'm not going to have a bunch of Pharisees for my disciples, bless God. You may remember John's account as a hurry of the healing of the man. In John chapter 9, 1 through 41, it is literally the, literally the entire chapter. You should read it when you get time. But there's a blind man. A matter of fact, the man, the Bible said, is born blind. And it is a wonderful depiction today, and I'm going to compare it really quick to spiritual blindness. So after Jesus, he heals the man, restores the man's sight. The Pharisees, the religious crowd, are unwilling to accept this healing. Despite evidence. What is evidence? A known man that was blind can now see. That's the evidence. What more do you need? It is not like preachers that we learned a few years ago that were healing preachers, that were making people travel across the world with them to their healing crusades, and they were putting them in wheelchairs and saying, oh man, when I pray for you, you just jump out of this wheelchair. The problem was nobody knew the man in the wheelchair. What it was was a circus setting up from town to town just to get people's money and make them think that they were some kind of miracle-working man and get some glory for themselves. That's basically what that became. It gave, it gave divine healing really a bad stigma and a bad name because our God still can do that. But, but that gave it a bad stigma. But see, this man is not like that. He is not from another city. He is not from another town. He is literally a man that is born and raised here. The Pharisees have seen him and his parents come to the temple over and over, week after week. They have evidence, but they still won't see. They have logic. Who but God could do such a thing? They still can't see it. They even have good theology. They know the law. They know the prophets. They know the prophecy of Micah that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come and he would arise with healing in his wings. A sign of the Messiah was the fact that this man was going to raise the dead. This man was going to open blinded eyes. That's who Jesus would look like. They've even got theology, yet they still won't believe it. The Pharisees simply refused to accept the truth standing before them. And I might add, much like the disciples that are in the boat in our text, the same way they were. The first thing the Pharisees do is they point to the fact that healing on the Sabbath was against Jewish law. My gosh, these people are crazy. Who cares when Jesus heals you? Why, what better day than the Lord's day? Then they question the man's parents and want to know if the man was truly born blind. In other words, y'all been planning this thing for years. You have been planning this for, this is a, big plan, a big scheme that y'all have come up with. But see, when you look up the Jewish bar mitzvah, this is what it teaches that at the age of 13, a boy was considered a man. Jesus only did earthly ministry and healings for three and a half years. In other words, the math doesn't work out for a great conspiracy theory or plan to take place. 
In other words, the math doesn't work. The insinuation here is that this healing is but a trick from a charlatan prophet. He's a con man. But my Bible tells me different. He said in verse 3, it was not because of his sins. It is not because of the sins of his parents. Jesus answered, this happened so the power and glory of God could be seen through his life. Now I want you to process that. That is not great for preaching today. But what if God allows you to go through some things so he can be glorified? Oh. Finally, the man himself is ridiculed and insulted by the Pharisees. They label him a sinner. He is undeserving of God's love. He is undeserving of God's healing. This blindness of the Pharisee is contrasted beautifully with the vision of the blind man. Because throughout the entire exchange, it is the blind man that is speaking truthfully the things of God, not the religious people. The Pharisees are running around in a frantic. They're literally panicking. They're asking everyone, hey, Brian, can you tell me what happened? Phyllis, were you over there? Did you see it? And finally they get to a guy in which they look at him and said, you know what, guys? Y'all should just ask him. He was born blind. He wasn't born dumb. He wasn't born mute. He can speak for himself. <laughs> to which they find this man. And he testifies to a miraculous healing. of the, And this is what he said. He said, one thing I know. I may not know much. I may not be as educated as you guys are. I don't know the law and the prophet like you guys do. But there is one thing that I do know. I was blind, but now I am able to see somebody give him glory. He even schools them on theology. When he tells them, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, only those that worship him. He says, ever since the world began, no one's been able to open the, blind, the blinded eyes. He says, if this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. <laughs> he is schooling the teachers in their own theology. I love that. The man born blind sees Jesus and the power of God rightly. He gets it, ladies and gentlemen. He understands what has happened to him. He has true sight. He has eyes and he sees. Whereas the Pharisees are nothing more than blinded guides trying to lead other people. The miracle happening right in front of their eyes, they still don't get it. They still don't understand it. Again, Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't you dare get so religious that you start acting like those Pharisees. Don't we do it sometime, folks? We claim that we trust Jesus. We claim, oh, we believe in it. We sing about it. We preach about it. Oh, our God saves. Oh, our God heals. Our God delivers. But yet we have lost sight of those very facts that God, he does still save. He does still heal. He can still deliver you. But through deceit, our eyes have become... Satan has blurred our spiritual vision to the point that we say it, but we don't truly believe it. Simply put, we just can't see it. We can't see our miracle. We can't see our deliverance. Oh, Jesus. So doubt has filled our hearts. 
confusion as to God's timing. Why does God work in this timing? Wondering why God allows things to happen like they do. But it doesn't mean that we don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're not born again believers. It doesn't mean that the blood hasn't covered us. It is simply that we are seeing what the devil wants us to see. And that is if God loved you, then God would have already done it. If God cared about you, God would have already answered your prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? So much so that we wonder if our God is still able. If God can still deliver, if God can still provide, Satan has blinded our eyes to the truth and the promises of the God that we serve. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6. i got to hurry. Chevy ain't got my time up there. Well, let's start now and show me how long I've been going. I may not want to see it. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, it's on here, and went outside, this is what the servant saw. There were troops, there were horses, and there were chariots everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. That means he looks around. Everywhere he looks, he sees troops, horses, and chariots. That's the enemy, the chariots of the enemy. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Stay right there, Chevy. Leave it on verse 15. The young man saw carnal things, not spiritual things. Follow me. He saw the troops, he saw the horses, he saw the chariots of the enemy. Listen to me, saints of God. I want you to know today the devil is a lie. I want you to know today that the devil is a liar and the father of all liars. But if you listen to him, he is going to get your eyes focused on carnal things. On carnal thoughts. Come on, somebody. He is going to try to make you the Christian. Think like a hopeless sinner that walks in darkness, blinded, stumbling over everything, wondering where in the world am I going in life? That's what Satan is trying to do. Again, you're surrounded by trouble. Your dilemmas are too great. There's no answer for your problems. You might as well go ahead and give up. Verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than there are on their side. Now, I literally have a prophet of God, a man of God, the same geographical location, the same viewpoint, the same exact kingdom. Standing at the very same place. Looking at the very same army. But the interesting thing is Elisha doesn't say anything about the enemy's army. It's as if he don't even see it. Woo! Elisha said, don't be afraid. There are more on our side than on their side. Have you ever heard of ambiguous images? Pop one up for me. Let's have fun. Can we have fun for a couple minutes? What do you see? Hurry. Who's, I got somebody that sees the two faces. I got somebody that sees. Go to the next one. What do you see? Rabbit. What else do you see? A duck. The interesting thing is that some of you see one thing first and the other later. Some of you may still be sitting there saying, my gosh, where's the rabbit or the duck? <laughs> Go to the next one. We don't have time. I don't have time to explain all I just said. What do you see? 
Anybody? All right, the first one, he's looking at you. The next one, he's looking to the side and looking away from you. See, these are called ambiguous. The National Institute of Health said it this way. He said, during observation of ambiguous figures, our perception reverses spontaneously. I can't even say that word. Our perception reverses spontaneously, although the visual information stays unchanged. Now, in other words, I want to, you go back to verse 16 if you want. In other words, what I'm wanting to do is give you this in layman terms. It means that two people can look at the exact same thing, but their perspective will be different. Their perspective will determine what they actually see. That is why two people, oh, are y'all ready for this? Let's, let's get spiritual. That is why two people can go through the exact same trial Amen. and one sees victory Amen. while the other sees defeat. Nothing has changed. The circumstance can be identical. One woman can lose her husband and absolutely go into oblivion. Another can lose and say, you know what? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I'm just going to trust God anyhow. You can get in a car wreck. One person's child get killed. Another car wreck. Another child's person gets killed. The one person says, man, we love our baby. We miss our baby, but we know he's with Jesus. The other says, I'm not going to church anymore because God took my baby. Let's go, let's go. I'm done with that. Verse 17, I got to hurry. Then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Lord, that boy has eyes that cannot see. So Lord, I'm asking you to open his eyes and let him see what I see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, I was reading my Bible the other day. I was in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I read verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every way and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. When he looked up. Oh my, 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 my. He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This time, he does not see the enemy. This time, he sees there are more with us than there are with them. Sometimes, uh, you just got to take another look. Hallelujah. Somebody in this building today needs to realize who the God is that you are serving. And stop being blinded by the enemy in your life. Uh, filled with doubt in your life. Filled with blurred vision in your life. Hear what I'm telling you. From the enemy and realize uh, that the God that we serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. This God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. Sometimes you just need to take another look. Your eyes may be playing tricks on you. Woo! Man alive. I'm starting to sweat now. That means it's time for me to close. There is a reason that God said to us, sometimes you, you don't walk by 
your eyesight. You walk by faith, not by sight. I believe that sometimes our eyes can deceive us. The enemy can make us see things and focus on things just to get us down and defeated. God, in his infinite wisdom, he knew this was going to be an issue for us, us fleshly people. We love Jesus. We try to serve Jesus. I wish that I could be super spiritual right now and tell you that I see God in absolutely everything I look at. I wish I could be super spiritual and tell you that it don't matter what it is. It don't matter what it is. When I look at it, I see God in it. That's right, even cats. God in His infinite wisdom knew we need I try my best to see God in everything. I try my best in trials and tribulations. I try to see God in the details. But as super spiritual as I want to be for you today, I cannot be that super spiritual because sometimes even my vision is blurred. It is blinded. My eyes cannot see clearly. That is when God says when it gets like that, what do you do? You walk by faith. In closing, Sarah and Abraham, Abraham have tried to have a baby. Matter of fact, they've done it for several years. They're unable to do so. Sarah finally accepts the fact I'm my life. So I'm not going to try to explain the theology of it here for you folks. She tells Abraham to have with her servant Hagar. Abraham does Sure enough, guess what? Hagar ends up pregnant. But once Hagar gets pregnant, she begins to said for her mistress Sarah. She treats her with disdain. She treats her rudely. She treats her with disrespect. But you have to understand the culture in that time is different than ours today. If a lady can't bear children in their day, they have some sort of a defect. It is even looked on the women that can't have babies as divine displeasure. You've sinned. God's again. It's a curse. Perhaps Hagar thought, why do we need Sarah anymore? Abraham, I can give you children. Sarah can't do that. I'm superior to Sarah now. And whatever the reason for the contempt, Sarah could feel it. She told Abraham about it. Abraham being a smart man, you don't get in between women. Amen. Be a smart man. Abraham, what, what, what would you do? Abraham, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't ask me, honey. She's your handmaid. You deal with her however you want to deal with her. I'm going out to pick some corn and eat it in Do what you want to. You figure it out. I'll support you in whatever you do. Whatever you see fit. So what does Sarah do? She kicked her out of the house. That's right. Pregnant mom kicked out of the house, nowhere to go. Hagar travels. This is what my Bible tells me. Maybe it's hot. She's got a baby boy inside. But as for that sin, and I love this verse, she sits beside a spring of water in the wilderness, feeling as if she is all alone. Nobody sees her. Nobody knows her situation. Nobody really. 
what she's going through. But God sent an angel with the message from the Lord. God, I'm feeling it. And this, look, look at Genesis 6. After the angel speaks to her, this is what I want you to grab. He gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. And that name is El Roy. E-L-R-O-I. It's pronounced El Roy. This is what that word means. You are the God who, what? You see me. But this is where it gets good. At first, she couldn't see it. At first, she didn't get it. But after an angel came to her, this is what she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. Watch this. I thank God that when I can't always see him, he can always see me. And sooner or later, as I go through my vision blurred, but I'm walking by faith, sooner or later I'm going to be like this woman of God. And I'm going to say, now looking back, I have seen the one who saw me all alone. Hallelujah. All right. In my second closing, can I have a second closing for three minutes? Two closings and I'm done. Luke 24, Jesus, back to title. In Luke 24, I'll give you the scripture in a moment. Jesus has died. He has resurrected. There are two disciples known to us as the Emmaus disciples. Jesus comes to them on a road. You may know your Bible, and if you do, it's called the road to Emmaus. They're having a bit of a conversation. The Bible even goes as far as to say that these two individuals began to argue about the events that have taken place a few days prior. Now the Bible does name Cleopas as one of those people. Some say it was two men, two disciples. Others argue that it was Mary who was Cleopas' wife. But they began to argue over these things. Whether Jesus had really resurrected or not, there's, there's rumors going out that his disciples stole his body away. You know, all this is going on. Their lives are at risk. They're going to be hunted down like animals now. But Jesus appeared. I love this. And he asked them, what are you discussing? And why in the world do you look so sad? He then began to teach them. They still didn't recognize him. In verse 25, he pulls an epic Jesus moment, as I call it. Like Jesus could do, he rebuked them. You ever read your Bible? I mean, you had to be tough to follow Jesus. He'd turn around and he'd call you Satan if you got in the way of what God was planning for his life. Get thee behind me, Satan's what he called Simon Peter, the greatest apostle we know probably from the 12. Get behind me, Satan. He rebuked them all the time. Oh, you doubtless faith. How long shall I be with you? It's a classic Jesus moment. Just ticks people off. And he don't even care. He rebukes them for their doubt, their lack of faith, for being so foolish and not understanding. Jesus must die to fulfill the law and the prophets and the scriptures that were spoken to him. But even with the classic epic Jesus moment, they still didn't recognize him. 
It's getting dark. It's getting late at night. They come to the house to which uh, two, the two uh, people from Emmaus, two disciples of Emmaus, say to Jesus, it's getting dark outside. Why don't you stay in with us? It's getting late. You can spend the night. We'll eat. You can get up and you can leave and go the next morning. But this is what I want you to see today before we leave. And I'm out. Let's go to the next one, Chevy. Mark, where's it at? Mark, Luke 24. Luke 24. Watch this. As they, he decides to spend the night. As they sat down to eat, he took, what is it? Oh, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and started giving it to them. The next verse, suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. They could see it. And in that moment, he disappeared. Go back to title. I'm done. Listen to me, folks. Go to the piano, whoever's playing. Listen to me, folks. There are times that we just don't recognize Jesus in the details. Can't see it. Our finite human minds, so frail as they are, we can't get it. We can't understand this master plan that's going on. Sometimes it takes us years down the road before we look back and realize, man, God did that. Years here and we go way back to when we started, even in ministry I do, and I say, wow, God put me that to go there to go there to be here and it all makes perfect sense but at the moment I allow spiritual blindness blurriness and the eye doctor had to come attention the great physician himself and time for you to see clearly there are times we can't seem to recognize Jesus in the trials we cannot recognize Jesus in our service but my prayer for us today is that our eyes would be open and that we would suddenly realize that Jesus just like the road to, to Emmaus they didn't realize that Jesus was literally walking right beside them isn't that crazy it's not until he breaks the bread that they say our Lord and our God you're Jesus it was him all along. He was there. Let's all stand. Don't have eyes that cannot see. I'm going to let Brian sing a course here. I'm going to open the waters today. If you want to pray, I'm going to give you that opportunity before we close today. I'm finished singing. I trust in God. I trust in God.
I'm good. I want to give you all this really quick before I leave. I was about to take off to the back. Did you enjoy the Amen. God's word I'm talking about? Not just me, but God's word does today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts today that our eyes not be blinded, but that we see more clearly. Oh, thank you for